Well, good morning again. Uh, it's good to be back with you after being away for a couple of weeks. Uh, we're beginning a new mini-series this Sunday as that's meant to guide us in thinking about some spiritual practices that are essential for our own spirituality and for the Christian life. Uh, they're essential elements to what we mean when we talk about living into the kingdom of God, about living a life that's following after Jesus and seeking to bring his grace and mercy into our lives and into the lives of those around us. As we enter into 2020, this is a very good thing for us to consider. Uh, we're starting this new year with new hopes and new dreams and new expectations, a year that will certainly have new trials and offer new pathways for each of us to consider. When you think back on 2019, you might remember that you had to face things that you didn't expect. You found yourself in unexpected and confusing situations and circumstances. You had to walk past that perhaps you had not planned to. And yet here you are. It's 2020, and we've begun our journey of worshiping and seeking after our God together this morning. And as we do, I want you to consider to reflect on what pathways are you on with God this day? What pathways are you on? You may not have planned them. You might be being forced to walk them right now. But nevertheless, what path do you find yourself on this morning? Uh, during this series, we're going to reflect together on pathways of spirituality. In the coming weeks, we're, we're going to consider rest and prayer, uh, the place of scriptures, and how community plays a role in our spirituality. These are all essential elements to what it means for us to grow, to be encouraged, to mature and develop and be sustained, for us to more and more be made into the likeness and image of Jesus and into the people of God that he has created us to be. And this morning, as we think about pathways of, in our spirituality, we're going to look at Luke 10 together at verses 38 to 42. It's a brief story about two women who knew Jesus who loved Jesus and who were seeking to follow him. And we'll see that Jesus' response to these sisters tells us something about what it means for us to follow him as well. So please read with me Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Hear the word of our Lord. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Please pray with me. Father, we come to you as a people needy and hungry for a word from you. We ask that you would show us yourself this morning, that you would meet with us, that you would soften our hearts, that you would draw us near to you. There are many in this room that are discouraged and defeated, that need hope. Uh, we ask that you would help us to see you and to see your love for us this morning. We praise you for your goodness to us. We ask that you would change us all through your word this morning and through your meal. It's in Christ's name we come. Amen. Well, we're just going to jump right in and we're going to look at what's going on in this story this morning. So what's, what's happening in this story? Well, first we read that Jesus and his disciples were on their way. Well, what does that mean? It means that they're doing life together. 
They're living and doing normal, everyday things like us. They're doing what God called them to do that day. And in doing life, Jesus and his friends come to a village. It's on the way for them. It's like, uh, it's, it's not where they're going. It's not their final destination. It'd be like you stopping for gas on your way to work. So it's on the way. And here in this village, they come to Martha's home, and she opens her home to Jesus and to his disciples. And we see that her sister marries with her. Now, Jesus could have stopped at any number of other places, but he chooses to go here to Mary and to Martha's house. He knows these women. He knows these sisters. They're his friends. He loves them. They're the same women that we find in John 11 that are the sisters of Lazarus. Lazarus. And so what do we learn about these sisters in this short account here? We learn that Mary sits at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And we learn that Martha is distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Martha is a productive go-getter. She's getting everything ready. She's making all the preparations for Jesus and his friends for having these guests. And she's busy just being busy. And in her busyness, Martha is very aware that her sister Mary is not quite as busy as she is. So she's frustrated and she's annoyed. You can just see her you know, frustration growing and growing. I don't know if you're like this. I do this when I'm doing the dishes. People are playing and hanging out and I'm just, everyone's having fun and I'm scrubbing the dishes and finally just blow up, right? You can imagine Martha doing this. It's just me that does that. Um, so Martha finally blows up. And rather than talking to her sister about this, she goes straight to the top. Right? She goes to the Lord. She goes to her guest. She goes to Jesus. And she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha knows that Jesus is Lord. She addresses him that way. She knows he can help her get what she wants. And so, but she also chooses to go to him instead of going directly to her sister. Well, why might that be? Well, we don't know. But maybe this isn't the first time that day that Martha has had this conversation with Mary. Um, but we know that Martha goes around her sister and, G- and asks Jesus to tell Mary to help. And you know what we call that, right? Maybe you experienced it with your family some over this past Christmas vacation. Um, Martha's demonstrating passive-aggressive behavior here. Uh, instead of dealing with her sister directly and in a straightforward and honest manner, She goes around her to Jesus, which communicates a few things to the people that she's with, to Mary and to Jesus and to us. You know, first it communicates to Mary that she's going to get her way no matter what Mary does. Um, She's going to get Mary to help even if she has to go to Jesus. And did you notice that Martha isn't really requesting Jesus to help? Like, Jesus, can you ask Mary to do this for me? She gives him a command. She's not asking Jesus to help. She's telling him what to do. So Martha's commanding Jesus and Mary to do what she thinks is best, to stop doing what they're doing, and to stop doing what they think is best. We all get this. We all can identify with Martha here. But what's going on deep down here with Martha is that Martha really wants to be the Lord. She really wants to be God. She wants it her way. She wants it right now. And she's going to do whatever it takes to get her way. Are you ever like that? Placing your wants, your expectations over everyone else's around you. I know I am. It's, and it's encouraging here to see that dysfunctional families have always been around, right? Um, 
this true account from Luke's gospel invites us into a story that we've all experienced in our own lives. Again, maybe during this past break, maybe even this morning. What we see here and what we have to be honest about is that the Christian community doesn't have it all together. We still have dysfunction in our midst, in our individual lives, and in our family lives, and with each other as a Christian family. We're all in desperate need of the grace of Jesus to change us, to lead us to repentance, to lead us to compassion in every facet of our lives, in all of our relationships. So we see here that Mary and Martha are a mess. And if we're honest, we can admit that we're messes too. Our family, uh, over this past break, we were at Disney World, and there were probably 14 million people at Disney World with us. Um, And I can't tell you how many times I lost my composure and my patience uh, in that crowd with my family, pushing this double double stroller around, um, trying to navigate the crowds. it's, it's real for us. We don't get what we want, and it makes us angry. But what's beautiful here about this story is that Jesus is there with these sisters, and he's with us too. And we see how he responds to Mary and to Martha's dysfunction. Jesus is Martha, Martha. You can hear the kindness, the compassion, the love in his voice. He says her name twice, and then he says, You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. Well, how does Martha respond to Jesus? The text doesn't tell us. And I think Luke does this on purpose so that you and I might think about how we would respond to Jesus in this circumstance. Um, But I wonder if if Martha wanted to respond, like maybe how you and I might want to respond like this, like Jesus. I can't believe that you just did that. You did not just assume authority in my house uh, and validate my lazy sister who hasn't been helping me at all today and who's once again found another excuse to get out of helping me. I can't believe you. That might be how Martha wanted to respond. But look at what Jesus says. He says, Martha, Martha. It's so gentle and personal and intimate. And you can hear him say, Martha, dear sister. And that's what saying his, her name twice meant in that, in that context. It means my lovely Martha, my precious sister. Jesus is saying, Martha, I know you, and I love you, and I know what's going on here. Your agenda and your schedule is the most important thing to you. Martha, you often take charge and feel the burden to make sure that things work exactly the way that they're supposed to, and that's okay. But Martha, let's be honest here about what's really going on with you. Martha, you're deeply troubled and you're worried. You're worried and upset about many things, Jesus says. You've laid out a feast. You've had a lot of work to do. You've had to cook. You've had these several unexpected guests come, so they need refreshment, so you have to get water and wine ready. You have the Lord in your house, so you feel this need to make sure everything is perfect for me being here. You're very busy, but you're also worried. You know, maybe you're busy because you think ultimately all that happens in your life is on your shoulders. You're responsible for everything and for its outcome. But Jesus says to her, that's not true. Everything is on my shoulders, not on yours. I'm responsible. I'm in control. You want things done because you think they really need to be done, and maybe they do. But maybe they don't. 
Maybe all that needs to be done right now, Martha, is for you to sit with me. But Martha, also, you're irritable. This is what happens when busyness takes over. You're irritable. You're confronting your sister in front of me and in front of your guests, and you're trying to embarrass and manipulate her. And Martha, you're also confronting me in front of your sister and your guests, and you're trying to embarrass and manipulate me. One commentator said this about Martha. He says, Martha is irritable on the outside because of the disharmony on the inside. Her frustration and unsettledness, her discontentedness is spilling out of her. So Martha's upset and worried, but she also doubts the love and the wisdom of Jesus here. Her faith is in crisis. She says, don't you care, Jesus? Jesus, I need Mary to help me. Stop distracting her. And Jesus responds, Martha, you're the one that's distracted. Maybe your agenda isn't the most important one. Maybe your will and ideas and preferences aren't the most important. Maybe your busyness is not the most important thing. Uh, There's a a meme uh, with a picture of the 101 Dalmatians villain, Corella DeVille. Um, She's driving her car and she has these like bloodshot eyes. She's looking straight ahead and the wind is blowing her hair back and you can see her hands are white knuckled around her steering wheel and her hair is blowing wildly. Her her, uh, oversized fur coat is flapping behind her and the only word to describe her is she looks crazy. (laughs) She looks undone completely. And the words beneath it say this. It says, me trying to excel in my career, maintain a social life, drink enough water, exercise, text everyone back, stay sane, survive, and be happy. Isn't that the way that we live our lives most days? You ever feel that way? That's the reality for most of us. People ask us how, we do, how we're doing. And we, how do we answer? So busy. We don't say, I'm, I'm doing okay, or I'm doing terrible. Um, we say, I'm so busy. It's this badge of honor for us. Uh, It's become, busyness for us has become this virtue in and of itself. It's become how we measure our enoughness, our value, and our worth. It points to our importance, to our significance. It's how we measure where we stand in regards to other people, where we fit on the social ladder, because we're busier than them, so we're better. They're not as busy as me, so they're not as good as me. Um, But when, when busyness is the thing that that is the most important to us. We think we're in control, that we have to maintain it, or else everything else falls apart. And when busyness becomes the pathway to what we think will give us the good life, when we live out of this idea that I'm only as loved, I'm only as valuable, I'm only as significant as I am productive, it leads to exhaustion. It leads to, to physical, mental, personal, relational exhaustion we use we run over people we use and we run over god when that happens so when busyness and being productive are the things that we're after we're constantly trying to earn our value our place our significance our love and our praise over how we think other people are going to see us then through how we think that other people are going to see us through how we see ourselves all it leads to is more discouragement more despair Because we just keep trying to feed that beast and the carrot keeps moving. And maybe apart from some momentary gratification in a small moment, it doesn't bring us contentment. It doesn't bring us peace. 
It doesn't bring us satisfaction as much as it leads to fear and paranoia and emptiness and the pressure to maintain. Jesus says to Martha and to us, stop, come, sit with me. I'm enough for you. So what about Mary? What can we learn from Mary here in the story? Jesus says in verse 42, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. Well, what is Mary doing? In verse 39, we see when Jesus comes into Martha's house, Mary sits at the Lord's feet and listens to what he said. She's sitting with the other men out of her place in that culture and context. And what she does, this sitting and this listening, is something that Jesus commends. And he says, I won't prevent her from doing this. This is good. This is the spiritual path that leads to life. So let's think about what we can learn from Mary as we consider our own spiritual path this new year. First, we see Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. So what does that mean? It means proximity. It means she's near to Jesus. She's close to him physically, but also emotionally and relationally. She draws near to him. It also means submission to Jesus. She's sitting at his feet. She's in this humble, teachable posture. She's not trying to dominate. She's not trying to manipulate. She's not trying to control. She's sitting there at Jesus' feet wanting to learn from him. And it means she's interested. She's giving all of her attention to Jesus. She's letting his voice be the one that matters, the voice that she wants to listen to because she believes he has something to say that's worth hearing to her. And how does she listen to Jesus' word? She listens with reverence. She listens with faith and she listens with direction. So there's reverence there. She acknowledges that, that Jesus is Lord and she isn't. And what he has to say and what he has to give are the ultimate things that matter to her. And then she listens with faith. She listens and she's there because she believes that listening to this Jesus, to his words, they're the words that bring life. They're the words that bring joy and hope and renewal and redemption and forgiveness in this kingdom that Jesus talks about. And then she listens for direction. She comes to Jesus because he's Lord, because he's in charge and she knows she isn't. So she comes for direction emotionally and spiritually and she comes to listen to him. So the question for us this morning is, what are the voices that you are listening to? What are the voices that you look to and that you act on and listen to? For all of us this morning, there are countless places that you and I can go uh, to, to listen to. We can listen to our jobs, to the news, to our parents, to our spouses, to our children, uh, to our friends. Uh, you can go this afternoon to, to Amazon, to Instagram, uh, to Twitter, to the App Store, and you can find something to do or listen to or read or engage in that's going to captivate your interest, that's going to fill your time from now until the end of the year. It's so easy for us to fill our time with things that don't matter, to fill our time with things that we can be distracted by. So what are the things that you think about and are drawn to when you don't have anything else to do? It's easy for us to be distracted with things that though they may be good, they're not going to fill us. They're not going to satisfy us. But what? What if there was one at whose feet we could sit that who doesn't leave us feeling empty or disappointed or lost? What if we can, like Mary, discover that sitting at Jesus' feet mean we place ourselves in a posture where we can hear something worth listening to? 
Mary has found the one that's worth listening to here that brings life, and Martha is being invited to sit there as well, and so are we. So at whose feet are you going to sit this year? Whose voices are you going to be listening to? The reality is is that we all have three basic options, three basic pathways to choose from. Pathway one is you can follow yourself. You can listen to yourself. You can choose to do what is right in your own mind, in your own heart, and you can use yourself as your ultimate guide. This is what uh, one of my uh, professors in seminary used to call Jiminy Cricket theology. You know, let your conscience be your guide. Uh, It means this. It means you do you. It means you live your truth. The problem with that is, though, is that Jeremiah 17.9 tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So we need to be careful there if we are our ultimate guide of what's true and good and right in our lives. Um, if you find that you ignore the advice of the people around you who love you, if you find that you ignore God's word and the scripture, and you listen first and foremost and ultimately to yourself, then your path is only going to be as secure as you are. And if you're honest, you know that that's not very secure. Pathway two is you can choose to listen to those around you, to someone else. You can trust the opinions and the words and the wisdom of those around you um, anywhere else. But again, as Jeremiah 17.9 told us, the problem with that is those other people are human and broken too. And their hearts are just as deceitful and unreliable as our own. Or pathway three is you can choose to listen to Jesus. And Jesus is different because he's not just another person Uh, He's God in the flesh. He's the source of all life and all truth and all goodness. He's utterly good. He's utterly kind and truthful and wise and merciful and patient and eternal and forgiving and compassionate. And this Jesus is faithful. And he demonstrated that by being willing to go to a cross to die for us so that we might have a relationship with him and that we might be on on a pathway that doesn't disappoint us that doesn't fail us, but actually leads to a flourishing, whole, full life. So which pathway will you choose this year? Following after Jesus, sitting at his feet, and listening to him is the path that leads to what Jesus says is better than any other path. It's actually a path that leads to honesty, to humility, to repentance, to love, to mercy, and to, and to grace, and to forgiveness. And having received that forgiveness from Jesus, the more and more that you give yourself to him and that you sit at his feet and listen and, and observe him and spend time with him and not being busy for him, but just being with him, the more and more you're going to grow to reflect him in your life, in your job, in your home, with your friends, in your neighborhood, in your schools. And what's amazing about this pathway is that it's open to every one of us. No matter who we are, no matter our past, no matter our present, no matter what we've done, no matter who we are, no matter what's been done to us, this pathway is available to you. No matter your failure, no matter your successes, no matter your rebellion, no matter your arrogance, no matter your brokenness, no matter your faithfulness, this pathway is open and available to you and Jesus is ready to grab hold of you and to sit with you and to love you well. If you're not sure about who this Jesus is this morning, 
if you're not sure if you can trust him, if he is who you who he says he is, if he is who we believe he is, I encourage you to come and to sit at his feet this year. Come and sit at his feet by coming to worship. Come to church, engage in the life, in the community, in the worship here. Listen to his word. Listen to the songs that his people sing. Hear their prayers. Ask yourself, is this path real? Is this a path worth walking on? Is this the path that really leads to what my heart really longs for, what I desire deep down most deeply in my heart? Is this the place where I can be loved and accepted? And if you're a Christian here this morning, the call to you is the same, to sit at Jesus' feet, engage in the life and the worship and the community of this church. Think the best about people. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Don't be suspicious and looking for ways to be offended. Look for ways to love and to be gracious and to forgive. Remember that you've been bought and welcomed in to Jesus' family with the price of Jesus' own blood. So sit at his feet. Drench yourself in his word and recognize the battles that are going on within your heart. When the word challenges your heart, when it challenges your thoughts and your words and your actions, sit at Jesus' feet and listen again. When you find yourself failing, and wandering, and getting proud, come back, sit at his feet, and listen. The reality for us all is that we're all on a path this year, this morning. We're all on a spiritual journey, and Jesus comes to us, and he invites us to sit and to listen, to know that he's good, and that he's faithful, and that he is God alone, and that he is with us, that the Emmanuel promise from Christmas is true, and that he will continue to be present with us and that in all things, our God works for the good of those who love him. And he will one day undo all that is broken and all that is painful and wrong and sad in this world. That's the promise that's held out to you when you sit at his feet and follow him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for the ways that you just go about on your way with Jesus and he comes across friends that he loves and he teaches us great things about how we can love and follow after him. Father, we are busy with many things. Help us to be consumed with your love and grace for us, to be overwhelmed by your kindness and your faithfulness and your goodness, that it overwhelms us to love and to serve you and to serve those around you. We ask that you would meet with us at this table. It's in Christ's name that we come. Amen.